0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 is where we're going to be today. We're going to finish out the chapter. If you have your Bible with you, I, I encourage you to turn there. While you're doing so, I'll pray. Father God, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us and for this time that we have together, together and, and to worship you. And we know, Lord, that there are all kinds of elements of worship, and sometimes it's through prayer, sometimes it's through uh, singing of songs listening to professionals play the piano and uh, a horn, and, and Father, I, I thank you for the gifts that are given, uh, and now as we come and we, we listen to your word, we know that this is an, an also an important part of worship, and so Father, help us today to hear from you, to hear a message from you, help us to, to know that you are speaking to us, and Father, I, I, I recognize, Lord, that I have a part in this. And so if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and the relationship with you. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for what you're doing here at Wyatt Park and that you've entrusted us with so much. And Father, I I thank you for your Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen on uh, July 4th, 1776 the Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Continental Congress by issuing the declaration the 13 American colonies severed their political connection to Great Britain. The main author of the Declaration of Independence was Thomas Jefferson probably the arguably or the most well-known line from that document is this we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness Thomas Jefferson his influence didn't stop there in 1980 I'm sorry in 1800 listen It's gonna be one of those days, all right? Just give me a break. In 1800, he sought to introduce a bill to end slavery in all the Western territories. As the third president, he signed a bill to ban the importation of slaves in the US. Jefferson was arguably the most influential American to ever live. Another man who made a a great difference in our country, was Abraham Lincoln. In Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, he said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are what? Created equal. I'll give you a third man who has made an influence, an impact in America's history. Martin Luther King jr. in his most famous speech he said, I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia that the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. Some of the most influential men in America, during their most influential times, their most influential speeches were about what? Equality. They made us aware of the ever-present reality that we're not often satisfied with, that you are equal to one another. That there isn't any one man, any one woman that's greater than the next. You are equal. Long before these three men lived was the Apostle Paul. He was inspired by God to write that though we may be many, though we may be different, we are united, we are equal, and we are one. Listen to how many times he says that we are one in this passage of Scripture. Just in these first two verses, he says it four times. will give you a head start on counting, okay? Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all are the members of the body Though many are one body, so it is with Christ, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul is using the illustration of a body to talk about the many different members of the church, and though we are all different, we all have a part of the same body. Paul says that with Christ we are all baptized as one body, into one body, each of us here not on our own accord not something that we've done on our own but rather you are here because of what Christ has done for you you are a a believer a part of the body of Christ because of the death of Jesus Christ because he came here he lived the perfect life he was sinless in all ways of this life and he died on the cross for your sins he he covered your sins with his blood and you're here today and you're part of this church, you're, you're called a Christian, not because of something that you've done, because of a free gift that was given to you, that was given to me, that was given to us. We are all a part of this body because of what Christ has done. The basis for Paul's argument is simple, you are only here because of what Jesus has done for you. Paul says in verse 13, your place in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your race, your financial position, Jew, Greek, slave, or free. Matter of fact, everybody was made to drink from the same cup. You were made to drink from that same cup. Not one of you was made by God to drink from some other cup, but you were made to drink from the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Each of you. Each of us, when God knit you together in your mother's womb, He knew that you needed Jesus. Many of the church in Corinth thought that Christianity was for the elite, those who could understand. Some of it used it. Some used their the position in the church for personal gain. Some of them, they they looked at others as half-breeds, almost like. The Jews would look at the Samaritans as, as people that just, they were there, but they really weren't. Can you imagine coming to church, friends? Some of you sit on this side. Some of you sit over here. Some of you sit, I mean, we don't have to look very far into our history to see, uh, as a nation, to see that there were people that they couldn't, they couldn't sit in certain spots couldn't drink from certain water fountains and if we're not careful friends we can be guilty of the same thing living the same way those people they're not they're not one of us they came here to this country by they were illegal they they deserve to work in these Not only are we a part of the same body, but we all have a purpose. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, that would not make it any less part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the many members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. One of the greatest things about being a Baptist is that we believe in the autonomy of the local church and the the priesthood of the believer. And uh, because of that, no two Baptist churches are really the same. I mean, many of us, where our constitution and, you know, are are very similar, if not the same, but our bylaws, our policies, our procedures, the way that we handle business, the way that we, we operate are different. And that's okay, right? I mean, like, Like I've been a part of a lot of different Baptist churches and and none of them operate the same way. Some of you call committees different things and you, 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 you operate as far as government differently. And that's okay. It's all right. It's okay to be different. Now, the same is true about believers. We all have the same foundation. We all believe in the fundamentals of our faith. But we all don't look the same in the way... Of those secondary and third tier issues, and it's okay to say, you know what? I, I, maybe I disagree. Like my wife and I, we don't agree on everything. It's hard to, for some of you to imagine, but that's just that's just the reality of our marriage. There are things that we disagree on in these secondary and third tier issues. And as people in this church, just a, if you're visiting with us today, not all of us agree on the same thing. It doesn't mean that I don't like somebody just because I disagree with somebody I look at Scripture differently that's okay I understand something differently than you do it doesn't mean that I have some sort of knowledge that you don't have I'm right <laughs> let's get that straight I mean but the reality I mean like God doesn't love me anymore because I'm a Baptist and you're a Methodist like I don't understand why Methodists do some of the things that they do, and I don't understand why some of us Baptists do the things that we do. But I, I, I found my home in the Baptist church, friends. I, I, you know, One of my professors says I'm Baptist-born, Baptist-bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist-dead. I don't know if I'd agree with that, you know. I, but I, I love the Lord with all of my life, with all of my heart, with all my soul. I'm not leaving them. I'm here for good, friends. It's okay to be different. I mean, wouldn't our lives be boring if we were all exactly the same? God didn't create us to be the same. Uh, I'm no scientist, I know it's a shock to everybody here today, but I was listening to a scientist, an, an astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson, not a Christian though, more of an agnostic, I believe. He said though, in the history of the world, that there's been over a hundred billion people born, hundred billion, okay. And according to our genes with all the different ways that they could be formed, made, we're, we're all different. And, and the possibilities, though, is that there could be over a 100 trillion people born and not one person is exactly the same. I mean, isn't that fascinating that we're all just, I mean, there, there are people that look like me. Tall, bald, ugly. I mean, it's just one of those things like, but, no, no, but nobody is, is Jeff Burns. I, I mean, I'm one of one. And you're one of one. And God has made you, he has knit you together uniquely. For, I mean, isn't that just a wonderful thing to understand about you? That you are unique. You're one of one. That God has made you for this moment in time to be here for a reason for a purpose you're special God knows who you are and he has endowed you with a spiritual gift for a spiritual purpose for a reason right here right now for this day and age I had a a friend of mine, he goes, man, I I think I'm create. I think I was born 100 years too late. I, I think I would have done a lot better if I was born 100 years ago. But you weren't. You're right now. God has a reason for you to be alive right here, right now. God hasn't created you to be the same guy or girl next to you. He's created to be you, created you to be you. And that's why Paul says in verse 18 that God has arranged each of you as He chose. Friends, God needs, needs each of you. He's chosen to use each of you for the glory of God, for the good of others. Remember last week, I mean, God endows us with a spiritual gift for the good of others. Don't believe me, and look at verse 21. the I giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There are three important principles that I would like for you to to learn in these verses, verses 21 to 26. The first one is that we need each other. Verse 21, Paul says that, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Church, we, we need each other. There isn't, there, there isn't anybody here that's built to be a lone ranger. God hasn't created you to be at home, worshiping God alone by yourself. You're created for community. We need one another to accomplish the will of God. Friends, if you're frustrated with your faith, and I've been there before, if you're frustrated with your faith today, Get involved with a local church. Join a church. It doesn't have to be Wyatt Park. This may not be the church for you. That's okay. I understand. But get involved with a local congregation. Serve. Connect with other believers. Talk to them. <laughs> Encourage them. And allow for them to encourage you be vulnerable share life with one another you're created for this friends God has placed you here for that reason be involved you are frustrated with your faith I understand find a place to serve I guarantee you talk to any of our staff members they'll find you a place to connect and to get involved really quickly third Second, sorry. The weaker parts of the body are indispensable. The parts that are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And this is God's design that w- there should be no division. This is the opposite of the attitude of the church in Corinth. The, the attitude of the church in Corinth was, let's take the people that are, that are high in the food chain and let's create honor and this false sense of glory for them and put them at the head of the table and instead, what Paul is saying here in this passage of Scripture is the people that have less honor deserve more. Like they should be the ones that we honor, that we should put at the head of the table. They shamed the weak, and they honored the strong. I pray, friends, that this is not our attitude as a church, where we honor the strong, we honor the wealthy, we honor the successful, and we shame the lowly. May that never be said about Wyatt Park Baptist Church. The third thing Paul is is teaching this church is that we are one body. What affects one part of the body affects all of the body. When one member suffers all suffer. Last week as a church we took a, a special offering for one of our church members a family in our church that was in need. And we just said we sent out an email and said, hey, the need is $1,500. If you give above and beyond in your offering, that's great. And that the, I mean, immediately that need was met. And I mean, immediate, above and beyond, over $3,000 was given towards that need immediately. I mean, your generosity as a church, it just amazes me, <laughs> continues to amaze me. Two years I've been here, And it just, I'm shocked by it, continually shocked and amazed that you guys just give above and beyond. A lot of examples that I could give you, but I'm grateful for the heart of this church, friends, and the willingness to love and to serve all people. When there is a need, you guys go above and beyond. We are one body. What affects one of us affects all of us. And we've seen that to be the case here at White Park Baptist Church. Very good. Verse 27, now all of you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. And he's just saying here, like, do each of us have the same gift? Of course not. Do each of you preach? Do each of you lead? Like that horn, I don't even know what kind of horn that was, but you did a great job. I couldn't do that in a million years. I'm so grateful that we have people like Maurice that can play the piano, people like Kathy that can sing, people like Tucker that can play the drums. Like I... I, and Matt can work that computer. Like, I don't know what anything he's doing back there, but I'm grateful that he does. Some of you teach in ways that are just, I mean, it's profound. And you have patience with our children that just, I mean, how many of y'all worked in VBS and just every night went home and went straight to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was exhausted, and all I did was hold the door open. You know what I mean? Like, I, can't, I mean, I can't imagine that being my job every day. You remember when the, the disciples were arguing about which of them was the greatest? You remember? Luke 22. Let's turn there if you have a second. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. verse t- Chapter 22, starting in verse 25. If you have your Bibles, just, just turn there with me for a second. Who is the greatest? Verse 25. They were arguing the disciples and he said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, you let the greatest among you become the youngest. And as the leader As one who serves for who is the greater one who reclines at the table or one who serves it is not the one who reclines at the table but I am the one among you who serves friends we all sit at the same table I mean, there isn't one of us that sits at a different table. We all sit at that table, and Christ serves each of us. What Christ is saying in this text is, hey, I'm the greatest. And you, you are the ones who serve. I mean, you are the ones who sit at the table, rather. That, we, you're all equal. There isn't any one of you that's greater than the next. All different all unique, all special, but not one is greater. If I can go back to when Abraham Lincoln was a younger man, him and a friend were uh, in the frontier and they opened up a a general store and uh, they weren't doing very well and they weren't making it and uh, they had a... uh, They're just having a hard go at it. And Abraham Lincoln said, he goes, if I could sell all of my stuff and just push reset, he goes, I would buy the Blackstone commentary on law and I would become a lawyer. He goes, if I could do that, I would because I don't think that I'm going to be able to do that. A few minutes later, they were on their front porch of their store, him and I think the guy's name was Barry. I forget, to be honest with you, but they were on their front porch of their store, and a family on a a wagon came through. They were heading west, and they said, "Hey, we we have a a barrel that we want to sell. We're broke, and we just need some money." And you know, here they are, broke with no money, and Abraham. Lincoln grabs into his pocket and grabs his last 50 cents and buys the barrel and uh, his partner chided him for doing such a generous act you know what are you gonna do with that barrel there's no way you're gonna make your 50 cents back but it was bought and uh, later on in the afternoon Lincoln looks down in the barrel and he sees what blackstone commentary of law he said he goes i looked in that barrel and i just thought to myself this is a gift from the heavens i mean it's a miracle and if i don't do something with this gift what a waste it would be (laughs) you know friends i mean two things i could say about that one is i i know what it's like to feel stuck in a situation that you don't want to be in and all you wish that you could do is hit a re- sell everything that you have and just start over i've been in that place and it's not fun and i've been in that place in ministry where i felt like hey i'm doing something i really don't want to be doing I, if you're there, friends, let me tell you, you can, like if you're serving in a place at Wyatt Park and you don't like it, let it, one of us know. But I, I really do believe that God has you in your position for a reason. And maybe you realize, hey, I, I'm not where I'm at, where I'm supposed to be at. God has something else in store for me, and I know that's the case. Friends, I I believe that God is faithful and that if he has a plan for your life, then he will make it happen. Be faithful in your obedience to the Lord and you never know what might happen. The second thing I I think about this is (laughs) this story about Abraham Lincoln is he didn't waste that gift. But imagine if he did. You know, imagine if he just saw that and said, I, I can put it on the shelf. I can make a few bucks. And maybe I won't follow my dream. Maybe I won't follow God's will for my life. Maybe I'll just take this gift and waste it. Friends, don't, God has given you life. He's given you the, a, a gift. He's given you grace and mercy. Don't waste that. Don't take that and say, I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to go live for the world, and I'm going to live to line my pockets with money. Live for the honor and the glory of our Lord. And if you do that, friends, I promise you, you will not be disappointed with your life. You won't look back in your life and say, man, I wasted it. You'll be grateful for the decisions that you've made. Live with honor and integrity, with faithfulness to our Lord the gifts that he has given to you. It's a worthy life. It's a worthy calling. Father God, we're thankful, we are thankful for this day. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. I thank you for the many different blessings that you've given to us. And Father, I pray that you would allow for us today to, to know your will for our lives, to know how you've. Gifted us to know the task that you have in, for us. Father, help us to understand for the hand, for the foot, the eye, the ear, the mouth. Help us, Lord, to understand our place in the kingdom of God, our place at White Park Baptist Church, our place in St. Joe, Missouri. Lord Jesus, we love you. And I pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, that today would be that day where they, they recognize that their life is just moving along and no purpose, no plan, no hope. Allow for them, Lord, today to put their hope in you. Allow them the grace that they need to admit that they are sinner. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these saints your name and all God's people said.